Oh, hallelujah. Let's worship him. Come on, let's give God praise. Hallelujah. On this Wednesday night, I give you praise. I give you all the glory. I give you all the honor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some get to give the Lord a hand clap of praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Here on this Wednesday night. Amen. Good to be with God's people. Thank you for coming to the house of the Lord here tonight. Amen. There's um, several things I want to say. Um, first and foremost, I want to say, amen, it's good to have the Walsh family baptized in Jesus' name on Sunday in the house of the Lord. Amen. And it's also good. Happy birthday to their daughter, Keely. She just turned 15 today. And I told them I would sing to you happy birthday, but I don't want to kill the spirit, so I won't do that. They sang so good, I would just, everybody leave. So we're not going to do that tonight, but happy birthday. It's also good to have Sister Flippo back home in the house of the Lord. Praise God. Out visiting their grandbaby and glad to hear good reports that they're doing well in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 and beginning in verse number 31. And then we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 19. Verses 3 through 10. Amen. We're going to be continuing on in our lessons. We've been talking about matters of the heart and really going through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and, uh, and believing God's going to do great things in this service. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 31. It hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let, her let, him, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Not my easiest reading that I've ever had to do, but it's going to be good all the same. Matthew chapter 19. In verse number three, amen, if there's ever been a generation that needs to hear this word, it's this generation today. Matthew chapter 19 and verse number three. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? No man better say amen. I'm kidding. Notice how is it presented. It, it's... We're talking about several things here. We're talking about the, the way that the law has been presented to demean one group over the other. It has nothing to do with the woman. In both of these texts, this is how they've interpreted the law. It was all about what the man could do. And uh, this is what the Pharisee tempting him said. Can I put away my wife for every cause? She burnt the dinner. Goodbye. Amen. She wrecked the car. See you later. She made me mad. Uh, there's no recourse for the woman in this text from what the man, the Pharisee, is bringing. And, uh, and ultimately, what we're seeing here is a few things. Obviously, we're seeing the issue between genders. 
but we're also seeing the misinterpretation of the law because that was, in fact, the case of their day, that a man could divorce his wife at any point if he felt like it. If she made him mad, now I know that that's starting to sound a little bit like our world. Well, we just don't see eye to eye anymore. We fell out of love. We just don't have the same hobbies anymore. We don't like each other. We've been fighting a lot. Well, I'm going to be dealing with some good stuff here today, but, uh, but that's, that's what they're, they're asking. They're just trying to catch him in the law. What does the, what does the law say? And Jesus answered and said to them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? God immediately dealt with that disparity between two genders. He pointed them before the law and said, look back at the beginning. You want to catch me at the law? Let's go back to before the law. He said, God made them male and female and said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain or two, but one flesh. We like to read this at weddings. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. I think we need to read this not just at marriages, but in marriage counseling. Amen. In the middle of a fight, you might have pulled up this verse. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. They say unto him, why did Moses then command a, to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? Now, they're asking a law question. They're trying to catch him and trip him up. Amen. I'm taking my time on this text because I'm going to be preaching beyond just this text. And he, he, they want to know, and they're trying to catch him at the law. And they're saying, well, why then did Moses command? Notice how they're wording it. They're wording it as if it was Moses' will that people get divorced. That sounds like chaos. And, G, and Jesus said unto them, now this is what's beautiful about the author. See, everybody can read a book and give their interpretation of the book, but only the author can give you the meaning of the book. Amen. He said, Moses wrote this because of the hardness of your hearts and suffered you to put away your wives. But notice how he points them back. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. His disciples saith unto him, notice how the disciples are now viewing it, if that's the case of the man, they're not concerned with the woman, if that's the case, if it's really that strict, Lord, if it's the case the man be so with his wife, it is good not to marry <laughs> You mean, Lord, I can't just get out any moment I want? Then I should just, just not get married. Just, just shack up. You think that that's Old Testament. You think that's just in the Bible. But that is the spirit of our world today. It says, man, it's just, it's just good to not get married. But that's not true. The Bible says it's not good that the man should be alone. Now, I know there's some single, single folks that are shaking in their boots right now. 
And it's good. You need to get married. Praise God to the right one. Pick one, not two. Amen. And for the married folk, I'm going to help you here today, and I'm going to hopefully be a blessing to you. But I want to continue on in our series, The Matters of the Heart, Part 3. I want to talk about marriage and family. Marriage and family. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this building. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We thank you today. I thank you for every marriage that is represented in this house. I thank you for every family that is represented in this house. I thank you, Lord, for every, every marriage that eventually will come out of the people that are represented in this house and every family that will come, amen, as a result of the people in this house. I pray, Lord, that you would help me, God, to teach this and, and really to bring this into the heart, amen, and to really deal and try to, to bring about, amen, a word that can help, amen, this, amen, this society and this generation. God, we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him God bless you, and you can be seated. Amen. Now, I'm going to hopefully give somebody some hope here tonight. If you want my theological opinion on the repercussions of what Jesus is saying, you could talk to me after service. That is not what I've come here to do. I know there's some people that they, uh, there's entire churches that have split over their opinion on this scripture. Uh, I'm not here to do that today. I'm here to really help marriages and talk to marriages and maybe just put a little more tools in your toolbox um, and really to, to, to preach and to teach for the benefit of the family and, uh, and really the family of God. And I also want you to be encouraged and, and hopefully uh, not worry here today. I am not to, here to do a marriage seminar. We just had one of those. Amen. Hopefully we'll have another one this next year. So uh, that's not what I've come to do. But I want to I help the marriages and the families that are represented in the house of the Lord. We know artists by their most important creations. We know Michelangelo by the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Beethoven by his Fifth Symphony. There's those that they know George Lucas by the Star Wars saga. Each masterpiece in its own right reveals something of its creator. And the same is true of God, especially in his design and purpose for the family. We need to know that God is a special purpose for the family. It was through this structure that he built everything that we enjoy today on. This was not by accident. When God created the heavens and the earth, he did not stop at beautiful foliage, and he did not just stop at, at animals running around everywhere and fish swimming and, and birds flying everywhere. But he made all of that, and then he created a family to inhabit the earth. Two essential elements of a family are marriage and then there is parenthood. These both reveal God's character like nothing else can in creation. Because the love between a husband and wife provide a glimpse of Christ's passionate and devoted love to us as his bride, the church. And this is, of course, in, in its best context. In the same way, through the ups and downs of parenthood, it offers a compelling picture of God's tenderness and patience towards us at his children. Every time that child makes you upset or frustrates you, 
Amen. Just remember that you are God's child. Every family does more uh, and more. It reflects God's character. It's trying to show an image of the invisible God. It is in the family that it provides a safe space uh, where children can experience God's love, hopefully through their parents. And they learn how to love each other, and they learn how to love other people. Even God himself did not sidestep the structure of the family. Jesus was born within the context of a family. Jesus was born as God in the flesh, and yet he submitted to an earthly mom and an earthly stepfather to model what it means to honor parents and to benefit from their loving direction. If Jesus needed a family, you need a family. Praise God. It was within this nurturing care of his earthly family that the Bible declares Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and with men. It did not come just because of his divinity on the inside, but it became because of the nurture of the family unit that surrounded him. It helped grow in favor. We're talking about favor this year. Is there anybody that wants to grow in favor? In favor with God, you better say amen. In favor with men, you better say amen to that. It comes, amen, from the nurture of the family. Amen. It's something we've got to have families for. Now, I want to be clear on something here tonight. Uh, this seems uh, like that, that some people would get a little bit hurt because they think that there has to be this perfect family and I don't have one. But I want to dispel the myth of this ideological perfect family, whatever that's supposed to mean. Those of you from a certain generation might think of the Brady Bunch as the, the, the typical perfect family, but truthfully, they were blended together. Uh, the truth is that if each and every one of us were to have an honest conversation, and I mean really honest, don't talk about all the goods, well, my dad was pro this and great that and all that stuff. No, if we were to really sit down and talk about our families with each and every family member going all the way up the generational ladder, in addition to all the stuff that we're proud of, we could quickly talk about where we come across differing levels of dysfunction, abuse, alcoholism, substance abuse, depression, suicide, neglect, the list goes on and on and on. It might not have been in your nuclear family, but it might have been in your extended family. But everybody could talk about, amen, the fractured family. There is no such thing this side of heaven as a perfect family. That ought to let somebody let the burden off your shoulders. Mom and dad ought to let the burden off your shoulder. Husband and wife, it ought to let the burden off your shoulder. There is no stereotypical, there is no perfect family. Uh, you cannot say, well, this is a perfect family, and that is not a perfect family. Because in this world, uh, everybody's got problems. And in this world, everybody's got dysfunction. And in this world, everybody's got a little different preference. And everybody's got a little different flavor. Amen. And what works for you doesn't work for somebody else uh, because of the context you were raised in and the context you are raising your family in. Amen. So it's important to know there is no perfect family this side of heaven. This 
is part of the broken nature of sin. It has fractured not only individuals, but it has fractured the family unit as a whole. Yet, no matter what family we come from, we are given some values. Some values we strongly agree and accept, while other values we reject. And in many cases, amen, we live our lives in direct opposition, amen, as we've seen too many cautionary tales. My parents had a great phrase, do as we say, not as we do. Some folks, you've been saying that this week. Uh, do as we say, not as we do. Well, I've got a lot of good cautionary tales. Well, what qualifies you to talk here today? Because I've got a lot of good cautionary tales of what not to do. And by process of elimination, I figured out what not to do and what doesn't work, and it's helped me figuring out what does work. Now, I haven't got it all down, but, uh, but there's some of those in the house of the Lord. You've got those cautionary tales. And others, you were raised in a great environment where you've got some things you want to replicate. And so as we go to create our own families, we choose which of those values to carry on. And uh, some of those we have left off to the side as we move into the next chapter in the family story. Every family, however, is built upon a foundation called marriage. Now, I know there's people in the house of the Lord who will say, my family wasn't married. In, we're going back to the biblical ideal. We're going back to what Jesus said as it was in the beginning, how it should be. Every family unit, amen, should be based upon the marriage. The family rises and falls upon the marriage. Even the Bible is built upon marriages. Just take a course, uh, just a quick glance through the scriptures. Amen. The Bible says God started with Adam and Eve. That's a marriage. Before you ever get a Cain and an Abel, you have to have an Adam and an Eve. We find that God calls to a man by the name of Abraham, but he doesn't just call to Abraham. He calls to Abraham and to Sarah. We find, amen, individuals that are, that are you may not know their names, Amram and Jacobed. These are the parents of Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. We find Salmon and Rahab. We talked about Rahab on Sunday. And they produced a young man by the name of Boaz. And Boaz got married to Ruth. Uh, and that family unit, uh, that husband and wife, produce a man by the name of Obed. And Obed, uh, amen, got married to Nitzvet, uh, and they produce a young man by the name of David. You see how this is going? For those of you that are doing the Bible reading, you want to skip over First and Second Chronicles because of then this person begat this person and this person begat this person. Amen. The Bible is telling you more, amen, than just history. It is telling you that if you look at, at the very nuclear, the very atomic level of a husband and wife, this is what they produced. And the Bible has no problem telling you that this is what this family produced. And it tells you all the sins and all the mistakes and then it tells you this other family unit that made other decisions to serve God and it comes about amen and God produces incredible things and God brings about miracles but where did that all start it started at the very head of the family unit with a mother and with a father somebody ought to lift up your hands and let's magnify the Lord in this house Hallelujah. Come on, I'm talking to some folks tonight, amen, that think that it's not a big deal. I talked a little bit about it on Sunday, but I want to tell you where you're at in your life, uh, whether you are just married, uh, you are a mother and father, or you are a grandparent or a great-grandparent, what you do makes a difference. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We find David marrying Michal, the daughter of Saul. They fought and disagreed so much their marriage was wrought with adultery on both sides. Read it. It's in your Bible. Started with David, but didn't end with David. In fact, she never even had kids. Joseph is a great example. He decided to become Jesus' stepfather by staying with Mary. And ultimately, the New Testament church is called to be the bride of Christ. I think it's first it's important to establish what marriage is not. For those that are married or have been married or those that want to get married, there will understand this, that most of the conflicts come from unmet or unrealistic expectations. So what do we do? We have to stop asking of marriage what God never designed it to give. Marriage is not perfect, perfect happiness. Marriage is not conflict-free living. Marriage is not, amen, an idolatrous obsession with your spouse. Amen. For those who wish it was, praise God. Rather, God designed marriage to provide partnership. God designed marriage to provide physical and spiritual intimacy. God designed marriage, amen, to have, amen, the ability to produce a family. God designed marriage that the two become one unit, that they take their two worlds. Amen. You ever wonder how God did it in the beginning? Amen. God took Adam, and I love what Brother Williams said. He took all the female out of Adam. Praise God. For those who say, I'm just trying to get in touch with my feminine side. You ain't got no feminine side. And if you do, you need, to got, you need to get some ribs removed. Praise God. But God took all the female out of the male. And God said, uh, I'm going to make you separate. But isn't it powerful that God didn't want it to stay that way? Amen. That God separated them. But the whole ideal is that the separate parts and the separate beings uh, would come back together. And the two would become one. Uh, amen. God uh, brought about a separation. Amen. God brought about individual. God brought about uniqueness. God brought about different giftings. And God said, whenever you find the one that I got for you, amen, God, I want to take each of you and through a threefold cord that's not easily broken, amen, as you, your spouse, and Jesus, amen, kick everybody else out of the circle. It's a Make a three-person circle, you, your spouse, and God. Boot every ideology out, everybody else out, and say, we're going to make this thing one. Oh, somebody ought to give God praise. And it was God's ideal that the two would become one. And that in that pursuit of becoming one, they would pursue God together. Because the only way to ever become one is not by going to a surgeon to stitch you together. Not a counselor to help fix you together. The only way the two can become one is go back to the source that separated the one into two. And that's God himself. I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. See, you don't know, but I'm talking about, as Paul put, I, I, and I'm going to talk about it at the end. He said, I speak a mystery unto you, which is Christ and his church. Hallelujah. That we were separated, but the separate parts don't have to stay separated parts. That God wants to be united again with his church. Hallelujah. Pastor, why are you talking about this tonight? I'll tell you why I'm talking about this tonight. Because there is an all-out assault on the marriage, uh, on marriages and on family in our society. 
Amen. According to the Barna Research Group, four out of every five adults, that's 78%, have been married at least once. The Barna study revealed that it's an even higher percentage with those that they deem born-again Christians. That's 84% that go and get married at least once. This study shows that marriage is actually the norm. For those who have been taught or believed or have had propaganda shoved down their throat that people don't get married, that's a lie. This is not an old study. This is a new study. Hey, listen, singleness is not the norm. And I'm not talking about people that are in the process of looking for a spouse. I'm talking about the people that say the world just shacks up and does all these things. Even amongst non-believers, even amongst atheists, the percentage is over 67% that get married. Why? Because God made it so in the beginning, and there's something in the human nature that says I, it's not good that I should be alone. It's not good. And even the atheist that does not believe in God testifies to God. When they tie the knot, when they go to the altar, whether they got a priest, amen, or a somebody working for the state department, I want to tell you they are testifying of the ways of God because God wanted it to be that way. God wanted there to be marriage. God wanted there to be family. Man, it's the norm that there's marriages. But notice how our world's trying real hard to shift that narrative. It's trying to convince another generation, amen, that it's too stressful to get married. Amen. In fact, in that same study, they found that 33% or one-third out of all adults in the study had been through at least one divorce. George Barna, who directed the study, noted that Americans have grown comfortable with divorce as part of life. This is what he said. They, there no longer seems to be much of a stigma attached to divorce. It is now seen as an unavoidable rite of passage that everybody's got to go through. The researcher indicated interviews with young adults suggest that they want their initial marriage to last, but they are not particularly optimistic about that possibility. Amen. This is a recent study uh, in the last couple years. There is also evidence that many young people are moving towards embracing the idea of a serial marriage. You ever heard of a serial killer? They don't just kill one. They kill multiple. That's what a serial marriage is. It's through where one person gets married two or three or four or five times because they're seeking through process of elimination the partner that they think will be perfect for them. We're living in a world, amen, where the samples are free. Hallelujah. Isn't it any wonder that that's why the Bible declares, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. What did he say it was like in the days of Noah? They're going to be eating and drinking, but it also continues on. They're going to be marrying and given in marriage. Now, I know that there's people that read that just straight forth. Yes, there's people going to get married when Jesus comes back. That's good news. Uh, amen. That even when Jesus returns, people are still going to be getting married. Amen. Praise God for the single folk in the house. You should have shouted right there. Jesus, don't come back until I'm married. I used to pray that. One guy joked, he said, used to pray, God, don't come back till I got married. Then he got married. He said, Lord, you can come anytime you want. <laughs> Praise God. And so, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. They're going to be marrying and giving in marriage. That lets us know two things. 
having some fun here tonight. I, I could, it's a serious subject. You've got to laugh once in a while. Amen. There's two points that I want to make here. Number one, that a subject of the end times will be divorce and remarriage. Marrying and giving in marriage. Second thing I want to point out is that it's just as our modern society has said. They want to redefine marriage. They want to redefine marriage as we've heard it on the media, where it can be a man with a man or transgender, non-gender, binary, whatever they want to call it, to another whatever they want to call it. Now there's no gender, so I guess it doesn't matter. But they want to redefine it further than that. This is why we stand so strongly against Hollywood, because this uh, they'll pay a ball player uh, $53 million, and he's had five or six or seven wives. He, he's got ten kids uh, with different people, and there's other people. There's not just sports stars. There's movie actors and actresses that are just always, uh, you walk through Walmart, and you go right there to checkout, and you will continually see tabloids. Uh, they broke up again. Well, now they're with this person. Oh, they went back to their ex, uh, and they decided what's happening. Uh, they're marrying, uh, and, 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 and their marriage is over before the milk expires, and, and now they're married to the next person what's happening they're trying to redefine marriage as it's no longer covenantal it's no longer something that's supposed to last uh, until Jesus comes or you die uh, amen it's now something that's as easy to get in uh, it's easier to get out of a marriage uh, than it is an AT&T contract uh, it's easier to get out of marriage uh, amen uh, than it is to go through the drive-thru uh, and there's an entire world that wants to redefine it uh, but I've come to tell hell tonight uh, amen that as far as the church goes we're going to stand upon the word of God uh, and we're going to say it was not so in the beginning uh, and God made them male and God made them female uh, and he said the two, not the three, uh, not the five, uh, the two shall become one. Oh, somebody ought to shout in this house and give God praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to stand for truth because truth sets people free. Truth sets people free. Truth will save a nation. In the end times, there are going to be people marrying and remarrying at will. Folks, we're living in the last days. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. We're living in the last days. And this is what Jesus is dealing with in our text. He's dealing with the nuclear family. Or the atomic family. We're all part of the Adams family. My science nerds will get that in a little while. Starting with the most intimate part of all, the marriage. This is a matter of the heart, folks. It's a very serious subject at that. Jesus spoke on multiple occasions about the marital unit. And the answer, the question is why. Now we can talk about our theology for a moment. But it's very plain. Jesus said there's really only one reason. And that's for the cause of adultery. And even then, he gave further understanding. He said, this is what it is. He goes, because the hardness of your heart, in other words, if you're not willing to forgive, that's your only out. 
Now, again, he's not trying to give a clause in the law. He's just letting them know that this is a matter of the heart. Uh, he's also going back, and he's talking about the nuclear family. Uh, he's talking about, uh, amen, that, that how we handle this relationship of marriage because they were coming to him. They were trying to trip him up. Uh, they were taking something that was covenantal and serious, and they were making it trivial, just trying to trip Jesus up so they could catch him in a lie or catch him against his own words. Uh, amen. They were just making it flippant and no big deal. And Jesus started dealing with the very issue they had uh, where they were dealing with marriage, uh, where marriages were like they are today, uh, not just in Rome, but amongst the Jewish people, that if a husband didn't even like his wife, uh, he could get rid of her, uh, and they would even justify themselves with the law. And they say, see right here, I've got an out. Uh, and yet Jesus said, that's not how it was in the beginning. Uh, God never wanted you to have an out. Uh, God wanted you to find a way to make it work. Hallelujah. I want to preach to this church. This is why Jesus talked about it. Amen. There's people, they do not believe that their horizontal relationships affect their vertical relationship. But Jesus understood, amen, that if you get it messed up on the horizontal, what's the horizontal? You with your neighbor, you with your spouse, you with your kids, you with everybody else around you, you'll never get it right, amen, between heaven and earth. It's a matter of the heart because if you can't forgive your spouse, if you can't make it right with your spouse, there's no way you can come to church and shout on Sunday and make it right with God. Jesus put it in this way. Let me give you the principle. If you say you love God but you hate your brother that you can see and you love God that you can't see, he said you're a liar. And this is why Jesus said you've got to fix it with your spouse so you can have it right with God as well. Hallelujah. I didn't come to preach, but I feel the Holy Ghost. I came to help somebody. You want to be right with God? Get right with your spouse. You want to be right with God? You got to make some things right at home. You want to be right with God? You got to make it right in the family unit. Oh, somebody pray. Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Lift up your hands and let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I want my horizontal relationships to be right. Uh, amen. I want that. I want God to be glorified. Uh, amen. In my family unit. Uh, I want God to be glorified uh, right here where I live uh, so God can be glorified. Uh, amen. Spiritually as well. And the, I got so many things we could talk about. This is why Paul said, he said, he said, don't. Well, there's kids here. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hey. Hey, my pastor would just shout the word. I'm not going to shout the word. He said, he said, the only reason you don't come together, yeah, marital relationships, hallelujah, praise God, he said, is if you chose to fast. Because the husband doesn't own his body, it's the wife's. And the wife doesn't own her body, it's the husband's. Uh, amen. He is saying this. Uh, he said that if you do fast, uh, he said as soon as you're done with that fast, uh, the Bible says come together quickly. Why? Lest Satan should get the advantage. Oh, man, Hallelujah. We like preaching about Acts 2.38, but I don't know about that one. <laughs> hey, some married folk ought to say amen. Praise God. 
And so what is Paul saying? There's an advantage the enemy gets over the people of God. Uh, amen. When things aren't right in the marital relationship uh, and there's some things uh, that devil gets advantage of uh, in the kids uh, if there's something wrong with the marital relation. Uh, and Jesus is saying, uh, amen, because the hardness of your heart towards your spouse. And God help us, amen, if we let trivial things build up. I, I'm not here today to preach as any expert on anything. Uh, there's people been married 5, 10, 15 lives longer than me. I don't know. Amen. If you're Moses, you've been married longer. Hallelujah. There's some folks been married more times than me. Praise God. Well, anyways, uh, praise God. Somebody say amen. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble up here. Praise God. Let me just break it back down to where we live. So many people think that their relationship with their spouse has nothing to do with God. Some would even be horrible at home and then try to shout on Sunday. I hear crickets in the house of the Lord. This is a fallacy. You can't live in constant state of turmoil with your spouse and maintain a right relationship with God. Which means we need to be making sure our home is as holy as the church. Anybody that's had a fight, you know that's not easy. That's why the Bible says love your enemies, praise God. <laughs> if you can't love your spouse, just make them your enemy, and you got to love them, praise God. This doesn't mean you don't have hard moments at home. Some may have even argued on their way to church tonight, and they saw the passion, and they said, praise the Lord. But what Jesus is dealing with is a spirit that seeks to destroy the sacred union called marriage because he seeks to destroy the family unit itself. He seeks to tear apart what God has put together. Praise God. I want to tell somebody here today, you are under attack. If you are single, you are under attack because Satan doesn't want you marrying, a, marrying the right one. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say that again. If you are single, the devil is attacking you night and day because he doesn't want you linking up with the right one. Uh, he'd rather you shack up with anyone than end up with the right one. Uh, he'd rather you marry the wrong one uh, than to marry the right one. So he'll fight you. Uh, he'll tempt you. Uh, amen. But let me preach to the married folks. Uh, this is why, uh, amen, it seems like there's always stress uh, and there's always external pressures. Uh, amen. But you must remind each other day and day out. Uh, amen. The enemy is not the person in the bed next to you. Uh, the enemy uh, is something that you cannot see. Uh, there's an adversary that would love nothing better than to come into church and tear marriages apart because if he gets the marriage, he gets the kids. If he gets the marriage, he gets the grandkids. If he gets the marriage... This is where he'll allow a little root of bitterness to get in there, uh, and he'll let it just fester and fester. And every time a preacher preaches uh, or brings something as straight as this, uh, you don't want to pray about it. You don't want to talk about it. Uh, you want to ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. Uh, but every time you ignore it, it gets worse. Uh, it gets worse. And that's exactly what the devil wants. Uh, but it's time uh, for somebody uh, to make it up in their mind. I'm not going to let it get worse. Uh, we're getting better. Uh, I took you to the altar one time, and we said, I do. But tonight, we're going to the altar again, and we're going to say, I do again. And we're going to we're gonna work it out. We're going to pray it out. We're going to pray it out. We're going to work it out. We're going to forgive it out, whatever it takes. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. Let's pray. Let's stand across the building.
Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. We have an adversary called the devil that would love nothing better than to rip families apart. Hallelujah. I've seen it coming to a church. Amen. I, I've, I've just come well before that happens to put the devil on notice. Uh, this is a church where the marriages are going to make it. Uh, this is a church where the marriages, uh, amen, are primary. Uh, this is a church where the family unit is primary. <laughs> amen. Somebody pray all across this house in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray all across this house. Matthew, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, Brother Dixon. Well, if I can't go out with a shout, I'll go out with a tear. Or maybe some tomatoes thrown at me right here. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Not to somebody else's husband, your own. How? As unto the Lord. Man, I'm having too much fun tonight, man. I ain't talked about marriage one time since I've been here. Come on. We're going to have fun tonight. We're going to preach it because our world's divorcing. Families are falling apart. And trust me, I'm bringing it all the way to a point right here in a second. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Notice what he's doing here. You're horizontal and you're vertical, all the same. And he is the Savior of the body. Verse 23, or 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and the things they like. I'm going to have too much fun. I'm, she's going to stop playing. I'm kidding. No, don't worry. I'm going to come for the gentleman. See, that's why he put it this way. He put the easy stuff at first. In everything, submission is when you don't agree. My grandparents had a great rule. You could argue, 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 but somebody's got to be in charge at the end of the day. Somebody's got to make the final decision. And they would argue, 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 and then finally my grandfather had the final say. But he learned his lesson real quick. Grandma was real smart. It's probably best just to listen to Grandma the first time. Praise God. All right, so that's ladies. You do it as unto the Lord. Now, husbands... I should just stop right here. We're done. Praise God. God bless you. Go home. We got the good word out. Amen. Husbands, love your wives. How? Even as Christ loved the church. Jesus didn't beat the church. He took a beating for the church. Just there's some folk, just in case there's some folks that think it's all right to hit their wife. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You will go to jail. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. You don't beat your wife. You get a beating for your wife. That's the level. And not only that, he loved the church so much, he gave himself for it. Well, if she just submitted to me, what have you given of yourself? Praise God. He gave himself for it that, it that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Think of how careful. Everything Jesus did was with carefulness. Everything Jesus did was with love. Everything Jesus did, uh, amen, it had intent. Uh, and everything Jesus did, it cost him not just something, it cost him everything. 
that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought the men to love their wives as their own bodies. I know some guys, they eat and take care of themselves better than they take care of their spouse. That's not how it should be. He that loveth his wife loves himself. If you want to know where the real problem might be in a marriage, it's men. How much do you love yourself? I'm not talking about self-love in the bad sense, but it's time to get some, some love for yourself back so you can show and share that love with your spouse. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he nourished it and he cherished it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, and for this cause. See, when Adam said that, when the Old Testament said that, it was all going and it was leading somewhere. It was going to talk about the family unit. Jesus quoted it, and now Paul's quoting it, but he's bringing forth a mystery. All of this was written, uh, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. For this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. The maintaining of love and respect in a marriage will not only translate to a good marriage, it will translate to a stable home life. Kids that feel secure, a better walk with God, and a thriving church. I talked for 44 minutes for this one point. Healthy marriages equal healthy families. Healthy families equal healthy Christians. Healthy Christians equal healthy churches. And healthy churches equal a healthy nation. You want to save the world? Love your wife. You want to save the world? Reverence and respect your husband. You want to save your kids? Make it right in the marriage. You want to save the world? Make it right in the home. Men, don't abdicate your right as the priest of your home. Don't just pray at church. Pray at home. Don't just expect the pastor to pray for your family. You pray for your family. Don't just expect leadership in the church, amen, to come by and make things and teach things and talk about things. Amen. The Bible declares in Deuteronomy 6, 4, these words which I command thee this day, where do they start? They start in your heart. And when they get in your heart, everywhere you go, you're talking about them. Everywhere you go, you're sharing it here, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. Wasn't that great, church? Didn't we have great preaching? Wasn't the altar call awesome? I'm so glad God's moving. Or you could be like Achan, and you could hide some things from Jericho in your house. And what a church don't know, the pastor don't know. In fact... His problem, Aiken's problem, is he even hid it from his wife. Hallelujah. What you do on the internet matters. Hallelujah. Well, I can, I'm going to stop right here because I could go off into a lot of things. What am I saying? We need to have healthy marriages.
so we can have healthy families, so your walk with God can be healthier, so our church can be healthier. So many people want to say, well, the church did X, Y, or Z. Yeah, probably. But I found when a family has revival, the church automatically has revival. Amen. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. I want to do something here tonight. I would like every family to come, every husband and wife. I'd like you to come down to this front. Now, there's some single folk. You might be in a family. I want you to join your family. If you don't have a family, you are a family of your own. And I want you to pray for some future things. Amen. Maybe it's your relationship with God. I don't, I, it doesn't matter what it is, but I want you to come down. I want everybody to come down to this front. We're going to pray, and we're going to sing, uh, and we're going to pray a blessing over you. Uh, but we're going to pray because the adversary is trying his best uh, to destroy families, to destroy marriages, to destroy the family unit as a whole. I want you to come and pray in the name of Jesus. Uh, hallelujah. Come on, give no place to the devil. Give no place to wrath. Let not the let not the wrath, the sun go down upon your wrath. This is why Jesus dealt with anger, and then he dealt with lust, and now he dealt with the family unit because those two things are the primary reasons a family falls apart. I pray against addictions. Amen. I'm not just talking about uh, drug addictions. I'm talking about internet addictions. I pray against, uh, amen, spending too much time uh, in front of a screen uh, and, and spending too much time uh, in other hobbies and pursuits uh, that your relationship starts to fall apart and decay. You ought to take your spouse by the hand and say, it's you, me, and Jesus, and we're going to make this thing happen. It's you, me, and Jesus and we're going to have revival. It's you, me, and Jesus. You ought to lay hands on those kids and say, as long as you're under my roof, amen, we're going to live for God. As long as you're under my roof, we're going to serve the Lord. And hopefully, when you leave my roof, you serve the Lord with your family. Come on, lift up your hands. Devil, you're a liar. Devil, you're a liar. I pray for strength. I pray God the Holy Ghost would strengthen right now. Come on, don't be discouraged. All marriages fight. All marriages have problems. Come on, Mom and Dad, all kids have trouble. Don't be discouraged. Work through it. Pray through it. Remember, it's us together. It's us together. And no one's going to put it asunder.
That's it. Let's pray. Come on, take a moment. If there's anything worth praying for, 
It's your marriage. If there's anything worth praying for, it's your family. If there's anything worth praying for, it's your walk with God as part of the church, which is his bride. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray all across this building. As goes the family unit, so goes the world. When God chose to redeem humanity, see, he started with a family. He started with a husband and wife, Adam and Eve. When that didn't work out, he moved his way to the family of Noah. When that didn't work out, he moved to the family of Abraham. And he went all the way down the list and down the lineage, and every one of them made a mistake, every one of them messed up until you get to Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to do even what Adam did in his carnality. See, what Adam did, he was not deceived. The Bible says he was disobedient. But he knew Eve's going to die, so I might as well die with her. There's a big difference between what Jesus did and what Adam did. She, Adam died with her, but Jesus died for her. In my death you shall live. In my suffering you shall have joy and healing. And the Bible says he purchased for himself a church. He created for him a bride. The Bible says when God created Eve, he pulled from the rib of Adam and created Eve. Isn't it interesting? The final act on Calvary, before Jesus gives up the ghost, they stab him in the side. And blood and water flows out. The bride came from the side. And his bride, which is born of blood and water, came from the side. And he purchased his bride. And one day, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be with him. God, I was single for 28 years, and let me tell you, whew, praise God, I was ready. I was, I was prepared. I flew in a couple weeks before the wedding. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 slept, I slept on somebody's floor. They didn't have a bed for me. I, they gave me an air mattress that ran out of air every single night, and I, 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 I still got back problems from it. <laughs> we made our wedding at night or in the, uh, in the afternoon because I was not about to sleep through my wedding. Jesus is coming back. That wedding's coming real soon. Are you ready for it? 
Is your marriage ready for it? Is your family ready for it? Is your walk with God ready for it? Come on, somebody. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you today. We thank you for loving us, for dying for us. We thank you, Lord, that you care about the family unit. We thank you that you care about our marriages. We thank you, Lord, that you care about your church so much you would lay yourself down and die for it, God. I pray, Lord, that you, amen, God, would make that same spirit in every husband, Lord, and the due benevolence that the church has for you, God. I pray that every wife would have that very benevolence that says, thank you for doing what you did. You did not have to, Jesus but you did and God we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus wonderful name and everybody said amen let's clap our hands and give God a shout of praise hallelujah <laughs> praise God shake hands be friendly love one another amen make sure it's not somebody else's spouse or I'll rebuke you if it's somebody else's spouse we believe in laying on of hands from the husband, not kidding. Praise God. God bless you.